Hello, you are listening to Getting After Lefty, starring Gary Gatehouse, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good questions on the show, like, uh, Mr. Obama, sir, I have a, just a quick question, if I can. Um, I was wondering, you know, just uh, where, uh, where the hell is your birth certificate? Yeah, here it is, Friday, and you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Friday edition. Getting after lefty, anything goes. I hope you're all having a great day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world on this Friday. Spring's just around the corner from you folks up there in the icebox. I've been away from the microphone for about a week now. Had some things I had to take care of. What a night, uh, what a uh, primary night. Uh, old Donald Trump just kind of cleaned up, didn't he? And the folks just can't figure out, uh, the mainstream media and the people up there inside the Beltway, they just can't figure out how to approach Donald. They just don't understand how can he, how can he attract so many people? How can he keep winning like this? And the folks up there inside the Beltway scratch their heads and they get behind closed doors and they get all their socialist buddies and progressive buddies and they get behind closed doors and they try to figure out a plan to destroy Donald Trump. And they keep on trying, but they just can't do it. But you know, there was a quote here a while back. It went something like this. When did big government and its mainstream media tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? You know what, ladies and gentlemen? That quote came from a pastor, Nathan M. Bickle. And what he said is the truth, and nothing but the truth. Big government, Congress, the political cartel used to be known as Congress, which Rubio and Cruz are a part of. They hang their hat inside the beltway, don't they? They walk the hollowed halls of Congress. They partake in all of the shenanigans that go on every day up in Congress. And Congress looks at we, the great unwashed, we, Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack, and they look at us as pawns, something they can move around. And the only time they do anything positive is give a little speech here and there right around income tax time. You know, send some more money up to D.C. so we can spend it. Your money. Your hard-earned money. We want it. Give it to us. And they come up with all this phony baloney legislation. And they come up with all these lives that they spin into the truth. And in months and years and decades past, Americans have fallen for it. Along comes a guy named Donald Trump. And he's different from these politicians. He's not hamstrung by political correctness. He has enough money. He doesn't have to worry about going out and scratching somebody's back or kissing somebody's rear end to get more money. He's went out as an entrepreneur and he's amassed a fortune in the billions. And one would say, why would a man that has all that money 
why would a man that has everything at his fingertips, anything he wants, at beck and call, why would he want to throw his head in the ring of all of this corruption, this cesspool we call Washington, D.C., these corrupt political whores we call congressmen and senators and presidents. Why would he want to throw his hat in that cesspool? Why would he even want to step and stick his little toe into that cesspool of dirt and filth and lies? If you haven't figured it out by now, you're just not going to. The mainstream media, the East Coast pundits, the people that are constantly being paraded across the TV screens of ABC and CBS and NBC and Fox News, and all the pundits, East Coast pundits, they can't figure it out. They just don't know what is motivating Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack to fall in line and stand up shoulder to shoulder and support a man like Donald Trump. Why is he even in the process anyway? It doesn't take much to figure that out. Donald Trump is an American. Donald Trump figured it out a long time ago that the American people are being screwed by these people in Washington, D.C. He could see it firsthand. He could see it as it was gelling together, materializing. He understood it. But you look at Donald Trump, and he walks around in the finest suits, and he drives around in our, is being driven around in some of the finest cars and has his own airplane. Isn't that the same thing that the President of the United States does? Isn't that the same thing as the senior members of the House and the Senate do? But they do it at their uh, taxpayers' expense. They take the finest vacations. They fly around in Air Force-sponsored planes that the American people and the taxpayers of America pay for. They take elaborate vacations and go on junkets all across the world at the expense of the American people. But they stand there and tell us, oh, oh, no, no, we're doing this because we have to do this. We have to go to China and spend uh, three or four or five or six days there in the, the top-line hotels. We've got to go there. We've got to go talk to these people about trade. We've got to go talk to these people about this and that. And then Donald Trump, he says, I'm not even uh, accepting a dime a penny, a penance from any corporation, any pack. I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I'm sorry. I'm tired of seeing this. I'm tired of seeing the American people get beat about the damn head on a daily basis by these jokers and these losers and these poor excuses for people who call themselves senators and House of Representatives and presidents. He says, I see what they're doing to the American people, and I don't like it. So I'm going to load up. I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I'm jumping right square in their chest. And I'm going to get up there and get up there and rub elbows and get out there with the American people. The same people that bust their ass every damn day. The same people that go out and work two and three jobs every day. 
The same damn people, the American people, Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack, that have families, that they are working hard to put food on the table and clothes on little Billy or Mary's back. Those people, I'm with those people. Because those are the people that make this country run. Those are the people that fight the damn wars of this country. Those are the very same people, the goodness of those people that have provided money and food and help and emergency help to anybody in any type of situation that needs help worldwide. The American people are there, but who gets credit for it? The stinking corrupt American government. Never the American people. They're the one footing the bill. Donald Trump knows this. Donald Trump is with the American people. And the mainstream media and all those pundits that hang their hats inside the beltway. All those pundits and analysts that Fox News just loves to run across the TV screen. All their panels and all their analysts. I'm so sick and tired of that crap. It's the same damn replay. It's the same tape replayed over and over and over. Comrade Carl and his whole damn bunch. They know what's going on. They see what's happening. They've never seen anything like this before. They don't have anything in their playbook to react to it. They don't have a, a couple of pages of lies that they can use that uh, as spinning to the truth. To go after Donald Trump. Nothing sticks on the man because the American people have finally figured out what you people inside the Beltway, you mainstream media folks, Fox News, ABC, CNN, NBC, all of you, we figured you out. Finally, we figured you out. And you're worthless. And we finally figured out Congress. They've been screwing us for decades. They've been patting us on the back. Send more money. And they've been running up the national debt. $19 trillion plus in debt. That generation after generation ahead of us will be paying on. And they want more. They want more. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America... I'm proud to say that the American people have finally come around. I'm proud to say that the American people don't want an insider for president anymore. They don't want a Kasich or a Rubio or a Cruz. Cruz tries to portray himself as an outsider. How can you portray yourself as an outsider when you hang your hat in D.C.? How can you portray yourself as an outsider when your wife is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, a one-world order lefty organization, how can you portray yourself as an outsider when she and him both golden sacks have been tied with those folks, corporate folks? Where does, where does uh, Cruz get his money for his campaign? Where does he get his money? Follow the money. The big corporations... The lawyers. That's where he gets his money. Where does Trump get his? From the money he earned off of his corporations. From his entrepreneurship. 
his ability to make deals, his ability to make things happen. That's where he gets his money. He doesn't have to stand in some well in Congress and kiss 200 and some other people's ass while they're all applauding him and making sure that he gets his kudos for bringing up some stupid piece of legislation that's going to just hammer the American people again but make Congress look good. Now he gets his money the old-fashioned way. He earns it. He earns it. Oh yeah, he's got people out there working for him. He makes a payroll. He makes hundreds of payrolls, thousands of payrolls. He's a responsibility, has a responsibility for the livelihood of mom and dads and their, and their kids and, and the support of. What does Congress ever make? Did they ever make a payroll? They rob yours. They rob your payroll. Rubio and Cruz are part of that robbery. They're just as much thieves as the rest of their comrades in Congress. Ted Cruz, an outsider? Ted Cruz is not an outsider. Ted Cruz is a nothing but a finagler, a song and dance man, just like the rest of his comrades up there at the uh, inside the Beltway Politburo. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's two great big elections coming up next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. Florida and Ohio. Now the mainstream media is playing it up. Kasich's going to do it. He's an underdog, but he's going to do it up there in Ohio. He's got to do it. And they're still trying to figure out who they're going, but they're going to kiss for Florida. Is it going to be Cruz? Is it going to be Rubio? They've got to beat Florida. They've got to beat uh, Donald Trump in Florida. They've got to beat him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before I go to break, I'm going to make this request to every individual that listens to my show that supports Mr. Donald Trump, that supported other candidates that are not running now. If you have ever in your life stood behind somebody that you need to get America out of the ditch, back on the main road again, you have to go to the polls. If you're in Ohio, if you're in Florida... Those two main states, you have to go to the polls and pull the handle for Mr. Trump. You have to do it. We cannot back those two yokels, either one of them, Cruz or Kasich. They are part of the establishment, part of the status quo. And like I said, Cruz tries to run as an outsider. He is not an outsider. He hangs his hat in Washington, D.C. He is a senator. He's a politician. From the time he got out of college up till now, on top of all of that, he's a freaking lawyer. And they work overtime figuring out new ways to song and dance and talk around anything just to arrive at what they want as far as an accomplishment or as a winning of a trial, whatever. You cannot trust any lawyers. You can't. There's something you, as the last resort, you have to need when it, when a push comes to shove in a car wreck or something. But most Americans shy away from lawyers. They don't want any part of them. They know what they are. They know what they stand for. 90% of the people in Congress are lawyers. Somewhere around that percentage. 
song and dance men, ambulance chasers, you name it. And it's proven more every day that they don't give a damn about we the people. Ted Cruz, he wants to be president. Marco Rubio, he don't know what to do now. Nobody wants his lying ass anymore. John Kasich, status quo. He gets up there and tries to play the meek and mild-mannered guy. I wouldn't trust him as far as I could pick him up and throw him. No, Donald Trump's the only guy we can really stand with. Donald Trump, next president of the United States. We'll be back after the Phyllis Schafley Report. I'm Donald Trump, and I'm running for president. Our country is in deep trouble because, let's face it, politicians are all talk, no action. My opponents have no experience in creating jobs or making deals. The fact is, I'm going to make the greatest trade deals we've ever made in our country, and I'm going to bring jobs and money back to the United States. I'll take care of our veterans and make our military so strong that nobody will mess with us. I'll secure our borders, and yes, we will have a wall. You can't have a country without borders. And I'll make sure that the Second Amendment and our religious liberties are protected. Obamacare is a total disaster. It will be repealed and replaced with something much better. You'll never be disappointed. I don't disappoint people. I produce. Together, we're going to make America great again. I'm Donald Trump, candidate for president, and I approve this message. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and author of 25 books, including the best-selling A Choice, Not an Echo. And now, here's Mrs. Schlafly. Like the better-known visas issued to college-educated technical workers, H-2B visas for temporary blue-collar jobs are supposed to be issued only if and when unemployed workers capable of performing the relevant service or labor cannot be found anywhere in the United States. That limitation is easily circumvented by employers whose task is made easier by another provision on page 888 of the Omnibus. In the determination of prevailing wage for the purposes of the H-2B program, the Secretary shall accept private wage surveys in lieu of official ones. The H-2B language looks like a special interest provision that must have been written and inserted by high-priced lobbyists, so you'd think that members of Congress would have enough shame to deny knowledge and disclaim responsibility for how it got into the bill. On the contrary, House leaders have issued statements, written letters, and given interviews trying to defend the indefensible. While the labor force participation rate keeps falling to new lows every month, House Majority Whip Steve Scalise thinks America has a worker shortage, forcing out of business many small and seasonal businesses. House Speaker Paul Ryan lashed back at critics for making a mountain out of a molehill over a provision he says would bring only about 8,000 additional workers. However, a 400-page report issued in April predicted that 115,000 additional visas would be issued under the revised language. Paul Ryan is a true believer in the idea that, as he wrote in 2013, immigration helps us get the labor force that we need so we can have the kind of growth we want. 
but economists have shown that virtually all the economic growth from immigration is captured by the immigrants themselves, leaving no net benefit to American citizens who are already here. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Do you believe corporations should be allowed to lay off American citizens and replace them with foreign workers at half the pay? Write Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002 for free information on what's happening to American jobs. That's Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002, or go online to eagleforum.org. And join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Liberty Council is a litigation, education, and policy organization established to preserve and advance religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, and the family. We have offices in various places around the United States and affiliate attorneys in all 50 states, plus a major outreach in the nation of Israel. Don't get discouraged about what's happening in our country and around the world. Get encouraged. Get on your knees in prayer and get involved. Stand with us in preserving our Judeo-Christian values. Visit lc.org. Every day, nearly 4,000 unborn children are denied life and love. National Right to Life is working to change that. For more than 30 years, National Right to Life has worked through education and legislation to make sure that every child is given the opportunity to share their love, their gifts, and their talents with the world. Our work now is more critical than ever. Respect for life is being attacked on all fronts and at all stages, from the tiniest unborn child to the medically dependent and disabled, to our elderly citizens. It is the support of our members, pro-life men and women from across the country, that helps to advance our cause. Join with National Right to Life and countless other pro-life men and women and make a unified stand for life. This has been a Perspective on Life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website, www.nrlc.org. That's nrlc.org. I don't know who this guy Lefty is, but this guy Gary Gatehouse, man, whoever Lefty is, Gary gets after him, don't you see? I like Gary Gatehouse. He tells the truth, man. He really does. Now, welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Friday edition, Anything Goes. You know, I was uh, listening to some of my old shows, and uh, I've been on the air since 2006. And I was listening back 214, 215, 2014, 2015. All the things that I was talking about as far as issues of the day that impact we, the people. And most of the, of the commentary and uh, the narrative all revolved around what was going down against the American people. What was happening in America that was going against the grain, going against the way the the people, we the people think, we the people want our country to be, it was all complete opposite on how we look at things here in America. All the issues of the day revolved around those issues that impact on America, uh, we the people, our children, in a negative manner. And 99% of those issues could be laid at the feet of Congress. 99% of those issues that we, the American people, heard and seen and uh, didn't want a part of and left a bad taste in our mouth 
were laid could be laid at the feet of Congress and the President of the United States of America, and yes, the mainstream media. How they spun those issues to make Obama, Hillary, and Congress look good. And I don't know how many times I said in my shows, way back as far as 2008, 2007, about what we the American people thought of our country and what Congress thought of we the people and what the President thought of we the people as a bunch of dolts, a bunch of the great unwashed that they could move around and use as pawns. Feed us a little bit of lie here and there, disguised as a truth, all with the backing of the mainstream media, and we'd fall for it, and we did! To the point where we elected Obama for a second term. All the things that went down internationally and nationally that smacked we the people right between the eyes, we just sat there and took it. Didn't complain. Didn't complain that much about the Gang of Eight. Didn't complain about Rubio and Congress, the Senate, trying to ram amnesty down our throat when over 80% of the American people said we don't want it, but yet they kept it up. Marco Rubio was right there with them, right there with Chucky Schumer, McCain, and Lindsey Graham, the whole damn bunch, pointing the finger at we the people and saying, listen, this is what's good for you. We know we're Congress. Now you just sit down and shut up. And for the most part, the American people did. They sat down and they shut the hell up. They sat on their hands. And they watched year after year, leading up to present day, the country going further and further down into the ditch of corruption and filth and lies and deceit and immorality, you name it. And we just sat there. Didn't complain. Oh yeah, you had people on Twitter and Facebook just burning up the keyboards along with Gary Gatehouse on his radio show and other talking heads. We were the complainers. Didn't resonate. The American people just moved along. But I come to realize after listening to some of my shows and then looking at the present day situation in America when we are marching forward to try to elect a person to represent we the people, I said to myself, you know what? Those people didn't complain, the majority of Americans. But they were listening. And it was boiling up inside of them. And the more that went down, the more hot that temperature got. The more it boiled inside the American people. And then comes a guy named Donald Trump. A TV star, an entrepreneur, an American, a family man. With probably one of the most beautiful families I've ever seen. They don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't do drugs. Hard workers, entrepreneurs, articulate. Something that we, the people, could hang our hat on and say, by God, someday I would like to achieve at least a quarter of what he did. Family-wise, whatever. Oh yeah, they'll remind us, boy, he's been divorced and remarried and he's done this and he's done that. Sure, what American these days hasn't? I'm one of the very few that can say I've been married to the same woman since I met her back way back in the 60s. Same woman. 
But you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you look at the Bible, and you go back to the Old Testament, and you look at people such as Aaron and others, there are always have always been renegades. There has always been rebels, even in the Bible, who didn't listen and didn't take on what the status quo was telling them at the time they had to do. They marched to their own drum, and they were part of the American, uh, the, the part of the scene at that time, in the Old Testament days, whatever. And they stood for all the things they believed in. When other people sat on their hands, they were out front saying, by God, get off your butt, let's go do this. And again, we have a man like Donald Trump. He's a renegade. He's a rebel. He doesn't take BS from anybody. You smack him in the face, he's going to smack you two times harder back. You mess with him, you tell something on him, it's a lie. He's going to come right back in your chest. Somebody gets up in front of him, a news reporter or something, and tries to read the right act to him, and says something that doesn't go quite right with him, he tells him to shut the hell up and sit down. And it's about time we put the mainstream media in its freaking place. And they're little ivory towers as well. They need to have their ears slapped back to the point when they're asked a question, they're asking it meekly. And the same with Congress. They stand up there and they try to present to the American people what a great job we're doing. We are helping the American people out of all these messes. But by the way, behind closed doors, we're creating even bigger messes. And you, the American people, just shut the hell up, sit down, and be quiet. We're in control here. We know what's good for you. We'll make your decisions for you, from your schooling to your kids, to what kind of gas you put in your car, what kind of slurpy and how big it can be, on and on and on and on. And I'm glad to say, I'm glad to report, I'm glad to utter these words, the American people have finally awakened. They have finally realized that they've been used and abused for decades. Oh yeah, there's still some out there that still sign on with the status quo. You know, if you hearken back, and all you folks out there that are Republicans especially, you know this. Before I left the Republican Party, I didn't really leave it. The Republican Party left me. And I became an independent. I remember such thing as when Bob Dole was running. And Republican people, people of the Republican persuasion, average Joe Blows. Oh, I can't stand that man. He's not going to win, but we got to hold our nose and vote for him. John McCain, I can't stand him. But we got to hold our nose and vote for him. Mitt Romney, we got to hold our nose and vote for him. And the Republican Party to the Republican people. This is who we pick. It's their turn to run. And by God, you're going to accept it. And by God, you're going to vote for him. We know what's best. And behind closed doors, the RNC and the leadership of the Republican Party was making deals with the Democrats. Because you see, Republican 
party is nothing more than the JV team of the Democrat Party. Or the damn sure looks that way. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, in the last few days, the last few days have really opened up Pandora's box on who the Republican leadership and the Republican Party, the RNC, who they really are. When they held those two secret meetings behind closed doors and they invited corporate heads, they invited people that are staunchly left, environmentalist, lefties, left-wing, limp-wristed lefties, along with all the elitists in the Republican Party. And they got together and Comrade Carl, Carl Rove, presented a 10 or 15 minute direct dissertation on how the RNC and how the Republican Party can bring down Donald Trump, a threat to our ivory towers, our threat to our way of life, our threat to our incomes, our threat to our laying back and running this country the way we see fit. You know what? As an American people, whether you're a Democrat an independent, whatever the hell you are. I hope the hell you can see what not only the Republican Party has and is doing to this country, but what the Democrat Party is doing and has done to this country. You Democrats out there, you died in the wool Democrats that fall on your sword for whoever the Democrats tell you to support you march to the tune of who, whatever the Democrats tell you what tune to march to? Look at who's running for the office of president on the Democrat side. Two communists. Two morally bankrupt communists. Yet you fall on your sword form. Are you putting and aligning yourself and your children and your brothers and sisters and mom and dad? Are you aligning yourself with these people that are communist? Oh yeah, they call themselves. Bernie calls himself a socialist. And Hillary calls herself a progressive, which is the same damn thing as a communist. I don't understand you folks out there. But I think some of you are on the Democrat side are waking up. I think you're crossing over. I think you're falling in line with that entrepreneur, that businessman. The man that has no ties politically. He's not a politician. He doesn't owe his allegiance to any corporation. He is a corporation. Nobody can control him. Nobody can buy him. Nobody can influence him. And he calls a spade a spade. He's tough as nails. You smack him, he's going to smack you two times harder back. And he don't give a damn who you are. Ask the Pope, he'll tell you. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Friday edition. Getting after lefty. It's anything goes, Friday. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Stand by. This is Gary Gatehouse. Make sure you tune in to Restoration Radio International weekends to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio shows back-to-back. Wow! Everybody needs a second 
More than two million Americans have served in Iraq and Afghanistan, and the Department of Veterans Affairs reports that approximately 11 to 20 percent of those warriors may have experienced symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. As we recognize PTSD Awareness Month, Real Warriors campaign volunteer Meg Mitchum, a former Army combat medic who served in Iraq, encourages fellow warriors to reach out when they need help. The hardest step was admitting that I needed help coping with PTSD. Once I did, my command and unit fully supported me, and I was able to get the care I needed. Getting support helped me succeed in the military and now in my civilian career. If you or a loved one is coping with an invisible wound, resources are available and they work. For more information, visit the Real Warriors campaign at realwarriors.net or call 866-966-1020. You want the truth? Nothing but the truth? Listen to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on freedominamericaradio.com. Well, you don't believe the senator... Obama's a Muslim. Of course not. I mean, that's, you know, that there is no basis for that. You know, I take him uh, on the basis of what he says, and, you know, there isn't any reason to doubt that. You said you take Senator Obama at his word that he's not right. a Muslim. You right. don't believe that he's a Muslim. No, no, why do I? No, right. no there, there is nothing to, to base that on. What difference at this point does it make? Now, here's a song for Miss Hillary. I hope you uh, find your ass up in prison real soon. It's rolling around the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in the Old Bubba prison. can bring you some uh, box lunches, maybe some magazines. But that train keeps rolling on down to San Antonio. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son, Always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns But I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die When I hear that whistle blowing, I hang my head and cry Folks, we all know that Ms. Hillary Clinton has committed at least 200 and some felonies all that top secret information on a server that she shouldn't have, but she's telling the American people she knew nothing about it, she'd do nothing wrong, she's the most transparent politician ever, and she's going to take care of business for you and I. And can you think of this, all you Democrats out there that still have a heart beating in your chest? This woman, the commander-in-chief, handling classified information for all our men and women that are fighting overseas, she doesn't have the morality to even lick their boots. And that's what tortures me. All you folks out there have been in the intelligence community, retired or active. What do you think? Do you think Hillary should get her comeuppance? you think they ought to throw her butt in prison? Give her a big old orange pantsuit and let her rot there for a while. Maybe share a cell with Ron Pelton or some other traitor? I do. 
And you know what? If she's not prosecuted, that's not only a slap in the face of the American people, that's kicking the teeth right out of our mouth. You know, folks, we, the American people, and I've been talking about it now, what, 40 minutes, we finally woken to the fact that those people up in D.C., are very corrupt. Those people up in D.C. just don't know how to handle anybody that stands up against them. Because you see, they consider themselves the most all-powerful, all-knowing people in the world, actually. They are in control of the most mighty military in the world. They're in control of the most mighty economic machine in the world, if you will. Over a trillion dollars a year in income tax money coming their way. They control it all. And they look down their nose at us, we the people. And they say to we the people, we're in charge. We know what's best for you. So just move along and just keep that money coming to D.C. You look at people like Hillary Clinton. You look at people like Lindsey Graham, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, Bill Clinton. And it goes on and on and on, both sides of the aisle. And they're corrupt. By any stretch of the imagination, there is not a good person amongst them, I dare say. There's some that try to portray themselves as that. But do they ever, ever speak up? They go along as part of the status quo. Oh yeah, Ted Cruz, he stood up and did a filibuster and he spoke out here and spoke out there. But when a push come to shove, he was still hanging his hat in D.C., He was still rubbing elbows with all his comrades up there at the Politburo. He was still doing his thing. Sponsoring legislation. The whole nine yards. State of the Union address. When Barack Hussein Obama Jr. would stand in front of the national audience and stand in front of the free world and lie to us. And what what did we see on TV? We the people. We seen the so-called conservatives. We seen the so-called Republican Party. We seen them sitting on their hands. Oh yeah, some of them wouldn't clap sometime. And some of the stuff he said, and some of the stuff that he has done to the American people. I'm talking about Obama now. And he comes up and lies at the State of these Union addresses. If the Republican Party had any balls at all, they would have stood up in unison and walked out. But they didn't. Anytime Obama wanted something, the Republican Party capitulated and gave it to him. And Ted Cruz and Rubio was right there. Did you hear them yelling and screaming then? No. Did you hear them yelling and screaming about the damn budget that Paul Ryan signed over 
and the Senate, Mitch McConnell passed, and Obama and the Democrats got everything they wanted. As a matter of fact, they, they laughed. They couldn't figure it out. How in the hell they could rule the Republicans as bad as they did? As a matter of fact, they thanked the Republicans for giving that budget to Obama, which supported all of his socialist, Marxist, Muslim ideas and projects. And the Republican Party just rolled over. Harry Reid kind of stretched out, scratched their belly a little bit, patted them on the head, and they moved on. Did you see Ted Cruz? Did you see Marco Rubio? Did you see John Kasich? They're politicians now. Did you see them raising hell about all this? No, you didn't. But they'll point their finger at Donald Trump and they'll say, like uh, Mitt Romney or any of them will say, where was Donald Trump when all this stuff was going down? Need I remind you that Donald Trump is a private citizen. He's not a politician. He has no club card to get him into the well of Congress and speak his mind. He has no access where he can go down and address the American people in the State of the Union address. He's not the Speaker of the House. He doesn't control the Senate. He's an American citizen just like you and I. But that doesn't stop the... uh, Status elite, the status quo, the Republicans and Democrats pointing the finger at Donald Trump and saying, where were you when all these issues were going down? We didn't hear you standing up and complaining about it. He's an American citizen. And in this day and age, American citizens, for the most part, don't have a voice. Until now. Until now. We now have a voice. And it is that private citizen. It is that businessman. It is that man who has made payrolls and responsible for thousands of people's lives and their families' lives and incomes. It's Donald Trump. It's not Ted Cruz. It's not John Kasich. It's not Marco Rubio. They are never held responsible along with their colleagues and comrades up in the Politburo we call Congress. They're never held responsible by the mainstream media or anybody when they screw up, which is quite often. When they do something that is wrong, which is quite often. Or when they do nothing at all, which is most of the time. They're never held accountable. Nobody ever puts their feet to the fire. And they try to lay blame on everybody else but themselves. The mainstream media in unison march with them. Pointing the finger at outsiders, the true outsider, Donald Trump. He's responsible. He's up there talking about his steaks and his wine and his bottles of water. And they people in Congress and the mainstream media cannot figure it out. He was sticking that right back up the butt of Mitt Romney and the status quo. Like I said, you punch Donald Trump, he's going to punch you back twice as hard. He don't pull any punches. He don't stand for any of this crap. And if you go back and listen to my shows in the past, 
you'll understand what I'm saying. I said a long time ago before Trump even showed up on the scene. When we were really in the throes of really being put down by Obama and his Muslim buddies. I said we need a president who is a hard-nosed SOB. Who tells it like it is. Who pulls no punches. Who calls a spade a spade. Kind of the likes of Harry Truman. If you can't stand the heat in the kitchen, get out. And along comes Donald Trump. Along comes Donald Trump. Calls a spade a spade. Doesn't pull any punches. Tells it like it is. Yes, indeed. We have had for a long time the hopes of somebody like Donald Trump who would be one of we the people. And he's on the scene now. Spending his money to get elected, not anybody else's money. And like I said, no allegiance to anybody but the American people and the people that work for him. Donald Trump is the man, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm one of very, very few talking heads on the radio that have actually stood up and endorsed somebody. And how can I do this? Because no corporate sponsor owns me. I don't own my allegiance to any corporate sponsor. My radio show is paid for out of my own pocket, just like Donald Trump's campaign is paid for out of his own pocket. And I can say and endorse anybody I want to. Because I do not own or owe my allegiance or my life or my prosperity to any damn company or organization. I can speak my mind as an American citizen on the airways of America. Just as Donald Trump is speaking his mind and the minds of the American people on the airways of America, and they're trying to find ways to shut him up and they don't, they can't do it. They can't do it. They can't buy him. Corporations can't come in and say, you can't say that. Television says, you can't say that. And he tells them to go get, you know what? I'll go somewhere else and say it. And corporations and television being what they are, oh God, don't do that. We make a lot of money off of what you say and do. And he's playing them like a fiddle. Playing them like a freaking fiddle. And they hate it. They detest it. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's it's comical to watch these dolts that have run our country into the ground for decades finally get their comeuppance. Finally facing somebody that they do not know how to handle. They can't control. And it's eating them up. Mitt Romney, look at that guy, Mr. Mr. Clean, Mr. Uh, Ivy League, trying to speak for Mr. and Mrs. Joe Pack from flyover country, trying to speak for we the people of down south, we the people that are busting our ass every day. He's trying to say that he's a spokesman for us. 
Just like Paul Ryan and the rest, they're not our spokesmen. We have finally awakened to realize that you people up in Congress are worthless. You people up in Congress are not worth a hill of beans. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, it's unbelievable that we the people have finally woken up. And by God, I thank God for it. I thank God for it. That we now realize that we have been taken for a ride for a long time. A long time. And we finally found a man that stands for what we believe in and stands for what we think the American people and what our country should be. He understands it. Those dolts up in Washington, D.C., they just don't get it. Neither does those dolts on Fox News or ABC or NBC or CNN. They don't understand it either. Why what they say doesn't ring true to us anymore. Why they can't uh, inject their uh, ideas and who the candidate should be. And we should just accept it. Did you know, before I go to break, did you know that every individual, what was there, 15, 16 individuals up here running on the Republican side, every insider, every person that was running as a Republican, all politicians, every one of them have failed, less two. There's two left in the fray, Cruz and Rubio, actually three, and Kasich. There's three left. And I hope by God, next Tuesday, you people out there that have been burning up the keyboards and burning up the airways, talking about and writing your little comments about, and I support Trump and I want America back and all this other stuff that we've all been harping on for going on 10 years, 15, 20 years now. I hope every one of you get off your duffs and go vote for Trump because we've finally found a champion. We've finally found somebody that talks and speaks like us, who understands the frustrations that we have suffered through over the years at the hands of those status quo lion SOBs in Congress and the mainstream media. Now you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Friday edition. And we're going to go take our top of the hour break for the news. When we come back, we're going to have some more information, some more comments in the second hour. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Friday edition. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-Minute News break. Six play knife. Don't let it play. 
News Radio. I'm Dave Anthony. Torrential rain measured by the foot keeps pouring on parts of the south. I woke up to hear from my roommate, your car is destroyed, there's a tree on top of it. He's in Baton Rouge where people are sandbagging. 3,500 homes have been evacuated in Bossier City as a bayou rises toward the top of a levee. Some roads are underwater too. If you see high water across the road, because it may be deceiving, turn around, don't go through it. Jim Waskin with State Emergency Management. Three people have died in Louisiana, Texas, and Oklahoma flooding. There's also high water in Arkansas. Who are the killers and where are they? Big question still the morning after a backyard party turned into a massacre near Pittsburgh. Fox's Tanya J. Powers has more live. The two gunmen responsible for the ambush are still on the run, while loved ones are mourning the loss of four women and one man killed in the shooting. Just advising Wilkinsburg, requesting some assistance. 1304 Franklin Avenue. They have multiple people shot. That audio courtesy of broadcastify.com. It happened in Wilkinsburg. Three other people are in the hospital, two of them critical. Now, police believe the shooters barged into the party and started firing. While partygoers scrambled for the back door of the home, the second gunman fired from the side of the yard, Dave. Tanya, mother's hospitalized in Putnam County, Florida, after her son shot her in the back Tuesday as she drove them in her pickup truck. He's only four years old. Sheriff's investigators are trying to figure out how he got the gun. She's been a senator, secretary of state, and this is her second run for president. But Hillary Clinton says... I am not a natural politician, in case you haven't noticed, like my husband or President Obama. She went on to attack Bernie Sanders at their CNN Univision debate, claiming he didn't support a bailout that helped the auto industry. He again called for her to make public her private speeches to Wall Street donors. I would think that a speech so great that you got paid so much money for you would like to share it with the American people. So I think she should. Now the Republican presidential candidates will debate again tonight in Florida. Fox News Radio, fair and balanced. Okay, gang. So, chances are there'll never be an emergency ever, ever again. Mm -hmm. But just in case, let's talk about a plan. Okay. So who's going to do what? Anyone? Uh... Yeah, okay, perfect. We'll figure it out as we go. So, who is going to grab the go bag? What's a go bag? It is a bag we do not have that is filled with things we really, really need in an emergency. Guess we won't have to worry about it then. Ah, good point. So, uh, we all know who to call if something happens then, right? I'd have to call Jill, Devin, Melissa, Karen, and... Bruce. And I will try to call all of you, but Greg doesn't have a cell phone. Dad's phone will have a dead battery. No doubt. And Julie will be on the phone with Jill, Devin, Melissa, Karen, and Bruce. Well, this is great. <laughs> I am so glad that we don't have a plan. I know. Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Visit ready.gov kids for tips and information. A public service announcement brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. There are some gains this morning on Wall Street. Pretty big ones. Fox Business Network's Nicole Petalini is live at the New York Stock Exchange. That's right, Dave. Right now, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 125 points, sitting at 17,124. The Nasdaq up 41 points. The S&P 500 up 15 for the week. The Dow and the S&P are higher. The Nasdaq is still slightly in negative territory. Most of the sectors are higher. Healthcare and financials are leading the way. Uh, we're also watching Dollar General, a name uh, that did well on their sales, and that's a winner. That's up about 7.5%. Dave. Thank you, Nicole. Now, the price of oil is down about a half dollar, below 38 bucks a barrel, as gas rises another two cents today. AAA's national average for regular is up to $1.84 a gallon. The red carpet is out at the White House for Canada's new prime minister, Justin Trudeau, just welcomed by President Obama. As NATO allies, we stand united against terrorism and for the rights of nations like Ukraine to determine 
their own destiny. Now the two will meet and then hold a news conference next hour. Tonight there will be a state dinner. More people will pay tribute to Nancy Reagan today. The procession to the Reagan Presidential Library to honor the former First Lady was quite a scene. On top of every overpass, you saw firefighters and police officers saluting. So it was, it was quite a moment as Mrs. Reagan's body was brought here. Right now, she is uh, lying in repose at the Reagan Library in the same location her husband was about 11 and a half years ago. Um, again, uh, we had a lot of people, much more than anyone thought, uh, that showed up yesterday. In fact, several thousand uh, had a chance to view the First Lady. Um, because of that, the library actually added six more buses and extended hours yesterday and today. Fox's Adam Housley at the library in Simi Valley, California, and we're learning that Nancy Reagan's two children, Patty Davis and Ronald Reagan, will speak at their mother's funeral tomorrow. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News Radio. Welcome back to the second hour of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Getting After Lefty Friday Edition, Anything Goes. Hold on, it's going to be a fast-moving hour. All you liberals out there, you better run and hide, because we're going to be getting after Lefty. I've been driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. There's a voice in my head that drives Get ready! We're getting ready to ship those gears. We're going to put it into high, into drive. That's right. Gary Gatehouse is ready to rock and roll with some more information about what's going down in America and the Western world. Now, in the last couple of days, seems the mainstream media, the lefties, seems a lot of people out there in the Republican Party and the Communist Progressive Democrat Party are kind of talking with a shaky voice. New person on the scene. New person that's been kind of sitting back in the shadows for a while. A person that we conservatives all love. A person that we all can identify ourselves with. That person being Sarah Palin. Have a listen to this. This is a person who I've known for a long time, who I've respected for so long, an incredible husband, an incredible family, and somebody that when I heard that she was going to endorse me, I was so honored. You have no idea how honored. And I would like to bring up, if I might, Governor Sarah Palin. Special, special person. Thank you. sector, not a politician. Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. (laughs) We're in the private sector. You actually have to balance budgets in order to prioritize to keep the main thing the main thing. And he knows the main thing. A president is to keep us safe economically and militarily. He knows the main thing and he knows how to lead the charge. So troops hang in there because help's on the way because he Better than anyone, isn't he known for being able to command fire? (laughs) Are you ready for a commander-in-chief? You ready for a commander-in-chief who will let our warriors do their job and go kick ISIS ass? (laughs) 
to secure our jobs and to secure our homes. Ready to make America great again. Are you ready to stump for Trump? I'm here to support the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. <laughs> I love that lady. She tells it like it is. She's welcome on the Gary Gatehouse radio show any day. I think we're both from the same cut of cloth. Don't take any guff from anybody. Tell it like it is. Pull no punches. And the guy that she's representing, Donald Trump, same, same. Now, you know, Sarah Palin got a rock star's welcome in Tulsa, Oklahoma, this last Wednesday. As she told a crowd of approximately 10,000 that America's going to hell in a handbasket. And she went on to urge, uh, urge the folks to be sure to vote on Super Tuesday. Now, Sarah Palin endorsed Trump this last Tuesday during a rally in Ames, Iowa. And then she went on to give a little speech there and, and talk about Trump and, and talk about America and etc. Let's just say this. Sarah Trump is back on the scene. The 2008 Republican vice presidential nominee... She was a no-show Wednesday during a smaller campaign stop in Norwalk, Iowa, as rumors swirled that a one-day political romance might have already turned sour. Ladies and gentlemen of America, the media will try anything it can to undermine Donald Trump, what he does on the campaign trail, what his supporters do or say on the campaign trail. But, you know, she didn't show up at Norwalk, Iowa, but she spoke for nearly 20 minutes in Tulsa at the Mabee Arena at Oral Roberts University, calling the Republican frontrunner ballsy enough to get out there and challenge politicians on both the left and the right. You know, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump, in all of his campaign stops, all his campaign strategy, all his getting out there in front of the American people, telling it like it is, not pulling any punches, brings on Sarah Palin, a little more softer side, if you will, but she is no person to mess with when it comes to telling it like it is or speaking the truth. And we all know from the 2008 election when she ran as the uh, vice president, when they made fun of the way she dressed, made fun of the way she talked, made fun of everything she did. I'm talking about the mainstream media. I'm talking about the Republican elites. I'm talking about all you folks out there that can't find anything better to do than gossip about a woman who dresses just a little bit different, maybe didn't have the money to purchase the clothes that a lot of you all can do at that time. But she put forward and an argument way back in 2008 that still resonates today with we conservatives, we people who love America, we people who abide by the Constitution, we people who love our military. She put it out there in 2008 that the elitist in Washington, D.C., the District of Corruption, in the hollowed halls of Congress, they are way above the rest of us as they look down upon us from their ivory towers and they consider us a bunch of uneducated, toothless hillbillies who they can move around on the chessboard of politics as they please. Well, Sarah Palin said, no, that's not the, that's not the case. 
We people here in flyover country, we people way up north in Alaska, down south in Texas, up in Idaho, over North Dakota, up in Seattle, wherever. Us people that are conservatives and love our country, you can't manipulate us. We're going to call a spade a spade. And she proceeded to do that in the 2008 election. Run up too. Now she's back on the scene again. And Mr. Trump, Donald Trump, has brought her on board to work for him to get elected as President of the United States. Sarah Palin is a sweetheart of the conservative movement. Sarah Palin is a mother. Sarah Palin is a wife. Sarah Palin is a good, wholesome lady that has a good, wholesome upbringing. She's a hunter. She likes the NRA. She fires a rifle and many types of guns. She's her own woman. She doesn't let anybody manipulate her or handle her or misuse her. She tells it like it is. Gary, Gary Gatehouse and the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Getting After Lefty, are 100% behind Mr. Donald Trump and Sarah Palin. And I thank God that Donald Trump brought her on board for the run-up to the campaign, the nomination. Sarah Palin, God bless you, sweetheart. Glad you're back on the trail. You bring a little bit more of a softer mood to the campaign, but you do not, under any circumstances, drop the ball. You are just right there with Donald Trump telling it like it is. And we, the people of the United States, we conservatives, love you for it. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be right back. We'll be right back after the Phyllis Shafley Report. Stay tuned. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Eagle Forum dedicated to keeping you informed and helping win the battle against forces that would deny freedom of religion, redefine the family, and mock traditional values. Now, here's the founder of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. Liberal students on U.S. college campuses insist that their schools should have so-called safe spaces. That means places where free speech rights of students are ignored because other students might get their feelings hurt by what somebody says. In reality, safe places do not allow for any opinions that are not in line with liberal ideas of political correctness. Sometimes even the Constitution itself is considered not appropriate for safe spaces. The Student Government Organization of the University of Minnesota Twin Cities decided that a moment of silence in remembrance of 9-11 wounded would make a space that is unsafe for students. David al the university's director of diversity and inclusion, said that remembering 9-11 might spark incidents of racism and Islamophobia. He said that a moment of remembrance should only be allowed in a safe space if we start having moments of silence for all the times white folks have done something terrible. The true purpose of so-called safe spaces is to promote a liberal agenda and prohibit anything pro-American. The idea of safe spaces is a tool of the liberals, and thankfully it can be overcome. Seattle Pacific University tried to remove the Pledge of Allegiance and a presentation of the colors from voluntary special chapel services honoring Veterans Day because it would make some students uncomfortable. However, after widespread resistance by individuals and student groups, 
the university agreed to reinstate the pledge and apologize for its bad decision. Conservatives should resist any attempt to restrict free speech on college campuses for the sake of the feelings of a few overly sensitive students. College should be a place where students can freely present and exchange differing opinions. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report. If you believe being morally correct is more important than being politically correct, write us at Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002. Ask for our information packet on political correctness when you write to Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002. And join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamericaradio.com. Gary's on freedominamericaradio.com from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. There's a big shakeup internationally. A big shakeup internationally. It seems that all the international monetary system, all the people in charge of all the big-time international companies, they're all worried about Donald Trump. And they say he is a global threat. But what I see it as, what they're saying is, that he's a global threat to the elite. Eric Cantor, former House Majority Leader, who is now Vice Chairman of Molius and Company, just who is Molius and Company? Well, first of all, Eric Cantor is one of these individuals that is attending a big uh, get-together, if you will, of all the elitists, like I said, that control the world economy. And Eric Cantor is on the Molius Company's uh, staff, if you will. And he's stationed in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., that's where Eric Cantor is stationed. And he's a lobbyist for the company who has an inside access. He has a inside access to all his progressive buddies on both sides of the aisle. Eric Cantor, who tried to pass himself off as, an, as a conservative in the Republican Party, now works for this organization, and he's attending the World Economic Forum annual meeting, 20 to th- through 23 January, and Davos Klosters, Sweden. That's where it's being held. Folks, pay attention to these people. Pay attention. These are the international community, these folks are, that really... Control, a, uh, control the world. They control the world's economy. Thus, they control all of us. Now, that, that company that Eric Cantor is uh, working for, let me give you a brief overview of that company. It's a leading global independent investment bank that provides innovative stra- strategic advice and solutions to a diverse client base including corporations, governments, and financial sponsors. They offer a better way, as they say, to support their clients by providing an uncompromised advice and world-class solutions that can create lasting relationships. 
their diverse way of doing things and uh, what they say and how they go about it. Their diverse team of experienced and talented professionals, why they share a singular focus on their clients and their people. They measure the performance not by short-term results, but by the long-term successes of their clients. And like they said, their clients are other governments, and they work to help those other governments, other corporations, and other financial sponsors. If you read between the lines, they are a huge lobbyist group that have people stuck in all the various governments throughout the free world. Here are some of the the countries where they have offices. Dubai, Frankfurt, Hong Kong, London, Melbourne, Mumbai, Sao Paulo. In the States, they have offices in Boston, Houston, Los Angeles, New York, Palo Alto, Washington, D.C. And like I said, that's where you'll find Eric Cantor. And he's lobbying for that company. He has access, like I said, to all his progressive buddies on both sides of the aisle in Congress. And they are all scared to death of Donald Trump. Scared to death of him. But there's another company, another group of people out there. Excuse me, another group of people. And I'm going to give you a word, and I want you to pay particular attention to it. You can research it yourself. It's the Aspen Group. A-S-P-E-N, Aspen Group. And they like to call themselves an institute, which is an educational and policy studies organization based in Washington, D.C. And their mission, as they stated, is to foster leadership based on enduring values, provide a nonpartisan venue for dealing with critical issues. Now, they are all in bed with this venue that's going to take place in Switzerland 20 through 23 January. They're all in bed together. If you go up and look at the Aspen Group and look who are it's made up of as far as the people on staff, they're all left-wing liberals. They're all left-wing liberals, ladies and gentlemen. International Socialist and ex-Democrat Party representatives. These are all the people who are going after Trump. If Donald Trump, as President of the United States, is the ghost that's stalking Davos, that's the the big meeting that's going to be held in Switzerland, many among the global elite hope he'll be banished by spring. Others see that as wishful thinking. They want to get rid of him. They want him out of the process because they know they already have their puppets in place. They have the Bush. They have... Uh, uh, Rubio, those are two of their puppets that are, you know, they're tied in with the Republican Party, but the Republican Party is in name only. It's part of a bigger picture, as is the Democrat Party. They are all part of the international elitist, which will be pres- uh, meeting in Switzerland, January 20 through 23. One of the elitists that's part of that uh, elite group that's meeting in Switzerland, said, I think the nominees will be Trump for the Republicans and Hillary Clinton for the Democrats, Donald Baer, a former White House advisor under Bill Clinton. And he said this at a panel co-hosted by Bloomberg and WPPPLC. The next year will be a very uncertain and chaotic period, he said. 
The prospect of Trump in the White House is ratcheting up anxiety among the 2,500 businesses and political leaders gathered at the Swiss resort for the annual World Economic Forum. With less than two weeks before voting in primaries gets underway and Trump in the Republican Party has the Republican Party lead, those who fear a rise in protectionism and economic mismanagement are speaking out against the billionaire property developer. They said, unfortunately, I do think that the, if there were to be a Trump administration, the casualty would be would likely be trade, said Eric Cantor, former Republican and like this self-professed conservative, a former Republican House Majority Leader and now Vice Chair of Molias and Company that I just finished talking about a while ago. He went on to say that's a very serious prospect for the world. Disaster, as a matter of fact. Cantor said he doesn't think Trump will make it through the primaries, a common theme among Davos attendees who nevertheless are still talking about him. Trump's positions, like a temporary ban on Muslims entering the country and the building a wall uh, on the Mexican border, are earning him a, uh, a sour spot in the mountain resort where they are all meeting. Right there, ladies and gentlemen, tells you a lot. They're worried if Trump gets in and puts a temporary ban on Muslims and building a, law, a wall on the Mexican government is going to ruin the economy. What they're saying, if you read between the lines, these international elitists, these company owners, these people who look down upon us as the great unwashed, they're saying Trump, if he gets in and does what he says he's going to do, they're not going to have the cheap labor in America anymore. And that's going to, I don't know, take away the billions and billions that they stuff in their pockets every damn day at the expense of we the people. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, they went on to say Trump has also railed against the loss of U.S. jobs to overseas competitors. And on Tuesday said that as president he would get Apple to start building their damn computers and things in the U.S. instead of China. Trump administration would be a disaster according to Beth Brook and Marinek, Global Vice Chair of Public Policy at Ernest & Young, L-I-L-L-P, a former advisor to the U.S. Treasury in the Clinton administration. Well, folks, it seems like this is all made up of ex-Clinton people, a lot of them anyway. What do they think about their hero? I guess they put all their marbles in one pocket when they went after and pushed Hillary Clinton to be the next president. And all of this top-secret stuff has come out. No wonder everybody is trying their best to make Trump and make this exposure of Hillary for what she is and the Clintons for what they are. It's no wonder the elitists, the international globalist, uh, globalist elitists, are trying to pull the rug out from underneath uh, Donald Trump. They're scared to death of a populist wave here in the United States. The presidential race shows that the U.S. is not immune to the wave of populism sweeping the country. In the U.S. case, the economy has recovered faster than other developed nations from the global slump of 2008 and 2009, they go on to say. But it hasn't. That's a lie. It's a, a, 
recovered enough to put more money in their pockets, but has not recovered to help the American people or the people of the Western world out, the workers, the people who pay the taxes. It's gone by them. It's gone directly to the elitist, the global elitist, ladies and gentlemen. Up steps Trump. And they say, he says, I'm going to put a stop to all this crap. I'm going to shine the light of truth on all this crap. And these people, these globalists, become unglued. If you follow the money and follow the tentacles, these global elitists have always permeated into the very depths of the Democrat and Republican Party. They control them. They control who was elected president, who was not elected president, and who staffed what in the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, even today. If you really connect the dots and you look at the people in both parties, they are tied at the hip with these globalists and they march to these globalist directives and orders. And here we the people. We finally found somebody that we hope will get us out of the ditch back on the main road and be in a country again, Mr. Donald Trump. These globalists, these elitists are worried to death that he will make it to the White House. But at this meeting in Davos, Switzerland, there are many, many of these globalists talking about Trump. And they're talking about him very seriously. They're talking about him very seriously. They're worried to death that he's going to be elected president of the United States instead of the one they put all their marbles in the pot for, Hillary Clinton. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, we the people control it. We control, and they, the globalists hate it. Their control over us through the economy, etc., through the two political parties, etc., could be coming to an end. Oh, it won't come to a screeching end, but the end is in sight where we take our country back away from these people. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, these people are going to do everything they can to start stop Trump. They're going to do everything they can. And if Donald Trump wins Iowa or comes in second, wins New Hampshire, and goes on his merry way, I think his nomination is there. Then what is the Republican Party going to do? How they are they going to answer to their bosses, the global elitist? How are they going to answer to them? How is the Democrat Party going to answer to the global elitist? The person that the global elitist put their money on, Hillary Clinton, is going down in flames, being wiped out by a 70-some-year-old, washed-up, old socialist, Bernie Sanders. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, if you pay attention on the radar screen right now in politics, in our country, in the Western world, and in the world itself, that radar screen is very cluttered. There is so much going on. So much. And so much is at stake for all these multi-billionaire people that control the worldwide economy and control our political parties and, yes, control our country. 
There's so much at stake for them. Their puppet is in trouble, Hillary Clinton. And a new puppet master, one that will be the puppet master that will march to the tune of the American people. And we the people, Mr. Donald Trump, has arisen on the scene. And it's scaring the holy hell out of these folks. They don't know what to do. They're pulling out all the stops. They've got the mainstream media out there, which is they own and operate. They're out there working 24-7 to put a stop to Donald Trump. Stop him in his tracks. We've got to stop him. Our bosses, the, the globalists, have said, here's the orders, stop Donald Trump. We cannot have Donald Trump in the White House. I hope America finally wakes up and realizes that the 2016 election is not just a, an election that comes along every four years. This election, there's a lot at stake for a lot of people that have controlled us for a long time. And they know if Donald Trump gets in there, that control will be dwindling. And they know that when Donald Trump gets in there, if he keeps to his word, the American people will once have a voice again, a champion of the American way of life, the American cause. And all those individuals that reside in Sweden and other places that control America, control the Western world, control Sydney, uh, control uh, Australia, control the, the whole world, Canada, the whole world. Everything that they busted their ass for over the last 120, 125, 150 years that has finally came to its peak in the last few decades, few maybe the last century or so, all of that's on the line now. They can see it going away. They can see it threatened. And who are they worried about? They're not worried about the Democrat Party. They're not worried about the Republican Party. They're not worried about the mainstream media. Those people all work for them. They're working, worried about a man, an entrepreneur, a businessman, who holds his allegiance to nobody but himself and his companies and his family and the American people. Period. And that's what got, has got all these globalist panties in a twist. They don't know what to do or think. They can't control him. But they're trying their damnedest to destroy him. And they're using every tool available to him. Again, those tools, let's go over them. Number one, the Democrat Party. Number two, the Republican Party. Number three, the mainstream media. Number four, Hollywood. Number five, all the left-wing organizations out there in America and abroad over in the Western world that are run by the same type of people that these elitist ideology is tied to. International socialism. Control of the world through the economy. Kind of scary, isn't it? But has, have you heard anybody speak like that before? Have you heard anybody 
bring it out in such a way that we can all understand it before? Do you understand? Do you really understand what's at stake here, America? Do you understand that when you look at your son or daughter, your little child crawling on the floor, or the little kid going off to, for his first her first day of school or uh, in high school or whatever, do you understand? You people in Europe, you folks in England, you folks in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, do you understand the implications of what is going to transpire between now and November of 2016 when America goes to the polls to elect a new president of the United States of America. Do you understand the implications of what will transpire if somebody like Hillary Clinton, if she's not in prison, if she is elected president of the United States, do you understand all of the lies and misinformation and disinformation and propaganda that is coming out of both political parties? The leadership of those parties are nothing more than puppets of international socialism controlled by the elitists that hang out in Sweden, hang out in other places other than America, and are staffed with all these long, dyed-in-the-wool socialists that were part of the Clinton administration and other administrations. They are all part of all the strings that the puppet masters push and jerk up and down and dictate to these people what they can and can't say, how they will vote, what they will not vote on, etc., etc. The implications of the November 2016 election on American people is so great, it's scary that if we make the wrong decision and elect the wrong person, we can no longer, no longer call ourselves America anymore. We can no longer hope or hold on to the hopes and dreams of our sons and daughters, our future generations, our grandsons and granddaughters, because there won't be what we understood to be America anymore. Whoa, hold on to your hats. We've just getting started. We'll be back after a few short messages. Don't you dare go away. Somewhere in a bunker in Phoenix, Arizona, rebooting Liberty Radio Network and Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Tune in. See what Gary's up to. See what rebooting Liberty Radio Network's up to. Conservative talk at its best. Tune in to Gary every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Rebooting Liberty Radio Network. Be there! If you don't clean up your room, the Board of Health is going to condemn it. The Board of Health doesn't even know about your room. What's more, they don't care. You know, if you keep making that face, it's going to freeze that way. Not unless you're someplace really, really cold. Actually, a lot of the warnings moms hand out are a bit exaggerated. If you don't get your blood pressure checked, you could have high blood pressure, not even know it, and you could die from a stroke. 
but she's right about that one. Fact is, high blood pressure contributes to 200,000 American deaths each year, and a third of those who have high blood pressure don't know it. If they did, it'd be simple to treat. Call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit AmericanHeart.org on the web to learn more. Better still, ask your doctor to check your blood pressure. If you run with those scissors... It's the least you can do. Welcome to Faith and Freedom. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to stand up for faith and freedom as we discuss victories and challenges in the courts, in public policy, and in the culture. Faith and Freedom is brought to you by Liberty Council, a litigation, education, and policy organization. Join us now as we address the latest cultural issues across America and around the world. What does it mean to have marriage or even same-sex marriage left to the states to have a definition? One definition in one state, a different definition in another state. Some people say that that's part of the Tenth Amendment. Conservatives say that's a state rights issue. Others say, no, you can't just simply leave the definition of marriage to the states. We're going to be talking about this on Faith and Freedom. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me is Matt Barber, the founder of barbwire.com. Matt, let me begin by just saying this. I am someone who believes in limited government. I know you are too. And we believe certainly in states' rights. And we believe that the federal government has a limited role. I think we all would agree that the federal government, specifically the U.S. Supreme Court, does not have the right to redefine marriage and impose that on all 50 states and territories. The question, though, that we want to address is, do the states have the right to have their own definition of marriage? We're not talking about regulating the edges of marriage, how you get into it, how you get out of it, whether there are certain kinds of support versus not support, but the actual definition of marriage. Can, in fact, one state have a definition that marriage is the union of a man and a woman, and another state have a definition that, no, it's between two people of the same sex, and a third state have a definition that it could be polygamy or polyamory, so it could be group marriage. Is that something that's consistent with the Constitution? Is it consistent with natural law? And is it workable? That's the question we want to address. Well, and, and of course, the answer is, is no. I mean, I, I, we hear a lot of uh, even conservative and evangelical Christians and, and folks that I, that I have a great deal of respect for, I think having a fundamental misunderstanding about the institution of marriage. The institution of marriage is not something that we can define, that anyone can be defined. It is what it is. God has defined marriage. Biology defines marriage as between a man and a woman. So e even for the states to presume to, to redefine an institution that is, cannot, that is immutable, that cannot be redefined is, is well outside the purview of, of even any state legislator, uh, legislature. That's right. You know, the, there are certain things that transcend the power of any earthly government to enact. And there are certain things that I think people would agree upon. These are things that, that cut across denominations, religions, time, history, and political ideology. One of those is the sanctity of human life. That has been something that has been treasured from the beginning. We have a 
belief that life is sacred. You want to protect your own life, therefore you also protect another person's life because if you don't protect their life, then your life also is protected. And everyone has this own self-preservation, this idea of life. It's actually reflected in the Declaration of Independence that there are certain unalienable rights that come from our Creator and government has the duty to protect those rights, including, and it's not an exhaustive list, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those come from a higher authority, a higher law. And the earthly government has a right, a duty, to protect those liberties. But also, something that is in the same category as life is also marriage. And as you said, biologically, objectively, immutably, there's men and women, male and female. They are designed for one another. We know that they are complementary sexes from which our future generation occurs, and you can't change that no matter how you ultimately uh, try through the legislature, through the state supreme courts, or through some referendum of the people. It is what it is. Now, we have the right to regulate it, to be able to give benefits to it, tax exemption for families, those kinds of things, certain benefits, certain uh, monetary uh, help, spousal um, insurance coverage and things like that, but you can't redefine the institution itself. It is what it is. Well, you, you can no more redefine the institution of marriage than you can, you know, redefine gravity. You can't suspend the laws of marriage. The laws of marriage inherently require the binary compatibility between male and female. That is what marriage is. And, and you can say we are going to suspend the laws of marriage and reconstruct the laws of marriage to mean something that marriage doesn't. But that's just like saying, you know, we're going to take this apple, we're going to paint it orange, we're going to call it an orange. Well, guess what? It's, it's not an orange. It's still an apple with red paint on it. It's a counterfeit. And same-sex marriage is just a rotten apple by another name. It, it's, it's, it's a painted over uh, apple, and they're calling it something that it is not. And uh, though they may try, you know, it just simply cannot be done. And, and unfortunately, I think even as we've mentioned in the onset here, I think even a number of, of conservatives have a misunderstanding of that reality. That's true. And then, you know, you would agree, I think everyone would agree, that you couldn't have uh, the state saying that we're going to allow human genocide, and that's okay. We're going to allow the destruction of Jews, and that's okay. Why? Because we voted on it. Why? Because the Supreme Court of the state said it's okay. Why? Because the legislature gave us that law. No, it doesn't matter. That's not okay. That is contrary to a natural law, certainly contrary to revealed law as well. It's contrary to the deeply held beliefs that we share uh, that are not just be based upon the uniqueness of Florida or Alabama or New Jersey, but those transcend those geographical and political, even uh, religious lines. Marriage is also in that same category. And by the way, even uh, if you were to redefine and have one state one way, one state another way, here's what happens. person has same-sex marriage in New York, but not, say, for example, in Florida. So they get married in New York, and then they move to Florida. Then they want to get a divorce. What's Florida do with it? What happens if they die? Uh, and do they go back to the, you know, it's all, conf you cannot have this uh, patchwork because of the interconnection between these people migrating from one state to the other and then claiming certain benefits in that particular state. Uh, you certainly cannot have that in any given situation when you redefine the essence of marriage. Moreover, 
if you redefine the essence of marriage to be something that it is objectively cannot be, here's what you're saying. Boys and girls, you don't need a mother and a father. That it's okay to be raised. We're going to allow our children to be raised. We're going to encourage people to be raised in a home where they never will have the opportunity for a father figure. Never have the opportunity for a mother figure. That ultimately hurts children and it affects us in the greater society. We have an obligation for not only our future children, but our future security within the society. And we need the best kind of environment in which children are raised. And that's a home with a mother and a father. When you remove the male or female from the home and then you negativize the absent gender, it's a double whammy. The gender's removed, the absent gender's got a negative spin put on it because of its absence and because of the two people of the same sex not wanting the other figure to be in the home. It really damages children. Same-sex marriage is an oxymoron. It's contrary to natural and revealed law. It's contrary to millennia of human history, and it hurts children in our society. Well, Matt, this is the secular left's modus operandi. When, when they don't like objective reality, they, they pretend it doesn't exist, and they try to redefine and change the terms. And by way of analogy, it would be like the some one state saying, we're going to change the definition of the word murder. Be, uh, under the existing abortion laws in the United States, we're going to say that it, you can, it is not murder until a person is five years old. Therefore, you can have an, a legal abortion of someone up to a five-year-old because they're not, uh, it's not technically murder under our definition if they are under five. That's right. So I, I would encourage you to uh, understand the difference between a state's rights, and yes, states do have rights, but they don't have right to define something that is part of a natural created order. And this comes from God himself, our creator, already defined, already created male and female, already created the institution of marriage, and we have no right to redefine his created order. For more information, visit Liberty Council's website, lc.org. Liberty Council is on the front line of advancing religious freedom, the sanctity of human life from conception through natural death, and marriage and family, particularly the union of a man and a woman in marriage. For more information, visit lc.org or call us at 407-875-1776. Keep us informed about what's happening in your communities. Get some of our educational material. You can go to our online stores for some of our Patriots handbooks that cover a wide variety of information, Israel, religious liberty, political activity of pastors and churches, and much more. The Second Amendment and many other topics in the Patriots handbook series. You can get all of them. Go to Liberty Council's website for more information. Support Liberty Council financially. Without you, we could not do what we're doing, representing individuals across the country free of charge. Pray for us. Support the ministry, lc.org. You have been listening to Faith and Freedom with Matt Staver of Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith, family, and freedom. Working together, we can make a difference. Get informed and stay involved. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org. That's lc.org. And tune in next time right here for Faith and Freedom. All right, it's Friday, and it's time to get on board the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Getting After Lefty Love Train. Now you folks all know the first stop's going to be London, England, don't you? 
Got to pick up Stephen Lang. Break him out of them pubs and get him on board the love train. All right, I got your tickets. That's fine. But the club car's to the right. Right down there. Trade Martin, yeah, he's already down there with his lovely squeeze Miss Tony. They're down there talking music or videos or something. Rebooting Liberty Radio, Mr. Jared. Yeah, he's down there having a couple of beers and he's talking to somebody. Yeah, there he is. He's over there talking to Billy Van Horn. Billy, what are you drinking anyway? Carrot juice? Oh, God. Down at the end of the club car down there, those ratty bunch down there playing poker and drinking beer and wine and whiskey and raising hell, that's that group from Restoration Radio International. They are a rowdy group, and I love every one of them. <laughs> love Train, Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Friday edition of Getting After Lefty. We're moving on down the tracks. Get on board. No liberals allowed. You catch that next train over the freight train. Ride with the hobos. <laughs> Beautiful day down here in South Texas. Just an absolute lovely day. I've got a big list of honeydews to do this weekend. It's probably just wear my butt to a frazzle. They've been building up, but I've got to do them. Or that list will just get bigger. Honeydews. I hate them. I just want to take my hot rod out for a ride. My gosh, I think I'm going to do it. You know, folks, I have asserted during this two-hour show today, Friday show, that the State Department is not to be trusted. Well, the State Department is avoiding taking a position on the assertion made in sworn declarations presented to the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community by an element in the U.S. intelligence community that emails on former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's private server as the IG put it in a letter addressed to two state committee chairmen, contained information derived from classified IC element sources. But the State Department is standing by its guns. It's not going to get involved, I guess. Now, Inspector General Charles McCullough described the sworn de- declarations in a letter he sent on January 14th to Senate Intelligence Chairman Richard Burr and Senate Foreign Relations Chairman Bob Corker. McCullough also sent copies of the letters to Senators Diane Feinstein and Ben Cardine, the ranking members of the Senate Intelligence and Foreign Relations Committees. Representatives Diven Noons and Adam Schiff, the chairman and ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee, Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, and State Department Inspector General Steve Lenick. That letter got its full exposure to all the dolts up there inside the Beltway. 
In the letter, the IG, the Inspector General McCullough, stated that he had provided copies of the sworn declarations themselves to the Congressional Intelligence Committees and the House and Senate leadership. McCullough's letter was first reported by Fox News, as we talked about in the first hour, which is posted as a PDF of the unclassified document online, as it, di- as it was in the New York Times. The letter said, Thank you for your recent inquiry regarding the classification, classification determination process used within the intelligence community, the IC, for reviewing former Secretary of State Clinton's emails, McCullough said in the letter. In response to your email, I requested two sworn declarations from two IC elements involved in the Freedom of Information Act, FOIA, review process for these emails. To date, McCullough continued, I have received two sworn declarations from one IC element. These declarations cover several dozen, several dozen emails containing classified information determined by the IC element to be at the confidential, secret, top secret, and SAP levels. According to the declarant, McCullough wrote, These documents contain information derived from classified IC element sources. Now, due to the presence of top-secret SAP information, I provided these declarations under separate cover to the Intelligence Oversight Committees and the Senate and House leadership, McCullough said. The IC element is coordinating with state to determine how these documents should properly be treated in the FOI litigation. McCullough further stated in the letter, I have yet to receive a declaration from the second classifying IC element and have referred that matter to the IG of the IC element for follow-up. Now, ladies and gentlemen, a 1993 General Accounting Office report explained what an SAP is, what that classification is. SAP classified information is placed in one of three levels, top secret, secret, or confidential, depending on sensitivity, said the GAO report. Some particularly sensitive classified information is further segregated and designated SAP or SCI. Now, Gary Gatehouse, I told you, have been exposed to both SAP or SCI, either one, same, same, in my 31 years, and I went on to explain the implications of those uh, classifications and being exposed to and handling them, what the law says those people, people like myself and other people like me, are required to follow. And SAP imposes need-to-know access controls beyond those normally provided for top secret, secret or confidential information, said the GAO report. At Wednesday's State Department briefing, State Department briefing, Christian News Service asked Deputy State Department spokesman Mark Toner whether the department in any way contested the accuracy of McCullough's letter. Toner indicated that the State Department anticipated more upgrades on the classification of Clinton's emails. Look a couple of points to make, said Toner. 
we here at the State Department are focused on, and we've said this many times, we're focused on and committed to releasing former Secretary of State Clinton's emails in a matter that protects sensitive information. We take this very seriously. We've said repeatedly that we anticipate more upgrades on these emails throughout our release process. But that process is still ongoing. That FOIA review process is still ongoing. Once that process is complete, if it is determined that information should be classified as top secret, we will do so. Now, the CNS News Service also asked at the briefing, the State Department, is the State Department simply saying that this person's sworn declaration about the classification of these materials may not be correct? Toner responded, no, I'm not going to speak to the specific allegations from the podium. What I can say is that we are continuing to go through emails. We're going to look at what among these emails must be upgraded, classified, and forwarded. Now, I'm going to stop right there. This guy, Toner, part of the State Department. The State Department, when it comes to uh, classifying all uh, state secrets, top secret, confidential, above top secret, secret, etc., it falls in the hands of those who write the rules and regulations to all agencies on how they are to handle these classified information and how they are to disseminate them, etc. The State Department is bound by those rules and regulations. They cannot change them. They cannot say or rewrite those rules. And he is saying, Toner is saying, that they are looking at them, and they're looking at them through the eyes of the State Department and how they perceive these classifications. They can't do that. Now, through the Freedom of Information Act and that process, you cannot release any classified information without the blessing of those who write the rules for it. I don't give a damn who you are, State Department or otherwise. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, the community, the intelligence community, that's where these resources and sources come from. Not from the State Department. They just handle them and disseminate them bound by the rules and regulations that the intelligence community and the people who create those sources, uh, top secret, secret, confidential, SAP or SCI sources, where they came from, they are all bound by the same rules and regulations. And that includes Hillary Clinton and the State Department. Now, I'm I'm, uh, I'm finished with this. I've tried to cover it as best I can on what the Clintons and what they've done to America over the decades, how they've got away with literally just about anything you can think of. They've had their ass covered by the State Department, other government agencies, the state of New York when she was senator, the Democrat Party, the Republican Party, the Obama administration, the Clinton administration, the Bush administration. They've all covered her ass. They were all afraid of her. But now the chickens as Reverend Wright once said, have come home to roost. And Hillary Clinton is on the verge of being busted big time. And she's going to take a bunch of people with her. Again, before we close the show today, I appeal to the Department of Justice and Loretta Lynch, 
to be American and step up to the plate on this. The evidence is overwhelming. An indictment is the way it should be. Hillary Clinton should be indicted and hopefully prosecuted and hopefully thrown behind bars along with those who supported her. Step up to the plate, DOJ. Step up to the plate, Loretta. Step up to the plate and do the job that you were appointed to do representing we the people. This is Gary Gatehouse. And I'd like to wish you all a great day. I wish you all a great Friday. Please take care of yourself this weekend. Be safe. Have a good time if you must. And will. I know that. Especially you folks in Nacogdoches. Until Monday, this is Gary Gatehouse saying, Good day.